church longer than I have because you're older than me, but I, I still have, have gone through a lot of the stresses and struggles of the church. And sometimes it's not even the church that I'm currently at or the, the church that I grew up at. Sometimes it's, it's being a part of a body of believers that I've never met before, but I'm all of a sudden just, just added into their, into their group. Um, some of these times include just random retreats that I, I go to. Uh, some of them are, are different churches I speak at. But I remember specifically there was one time where I was kind of shoved into a body of believers that it made me really uncomfortable. And I don't know if you've ever been uncomfortable around a, 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 a group of Christians, but this was one of the times where I felt like a fish out of water. It was a missions trip to Mexico. And it wasn't a medical missions like I, I was used to because my parents are doctors and we would usually go to Mexico and provide medical care and I would help with the lab or help with triage and help with just patients and, and, and keeping their kids entertained or, or whatever. This was a missions trip to, to build houses and to, to help renovate a church and to clean up the floors and to, to do all these things. And I went with a group, a really large group in California, um, of a, actually a network of churches. And, and these groups of churches brought their youth groups, and I wasn't a part of any of their youth groups because at the time I was living in Texas, and so I was really a fish out of water. I knew no one there. Everyone there was, was absolutely new to me, and so I, I went into this group, to this congregation of believers, of Christians, and then they began to have worship, and their worship was different. And again, these are kids from California, and I was thinking, like, they're Korean-Americans like I was, and I grew up in California, so how different could it be? But let me tell you, when I say it's, it was different, it was different because it was chaotic. It was crazy. It was like they had music at levels and, and, and like, decibels that were crazy loud, and these kids were super spiritual. When I like mean, like I was a Christian my whole life. Like I was a Christian since I was five years old. I grew up in this church. These kids were super spiritual. And basically they would go up to anyone during, like when people were still singing, they would go up to you and be like, hey brother, I got a word for you. And I'll be like, whoa, 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 what are we talking about? They're like, like, you know what? You're dealing with some sin right now. You know, you need to repent right now. You need to talk. And I'm like sitting there listening. I'm like, wait, you don't even know me. You don't even know my name. What are you saying to me right now? And you know, some people started to speak in tongues, and if you don't know what tongues is, I don't either really. But anyways, um, they started to speak in tongues. They started to, 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 to go kind of crazy. There were kids that were falling on the floor. There were people that were convulsing. There were kids that were dancing. That It wasn't really good dancing, but they were just going crazy and wild. And I don't know, but I was just like silently sitting there praying, like, Lord, let me out of here. Like, this is... This is crazy. Like, God, what is going on? And I don't know if you've had a similar experience. Uh, I, I don't even know if what I'm saying to you hits or resonates because, again, it was shocking to me, and I, don't, I hope not to shock you necessarily. But what ended up happening was I realized what they were emulating was what they called spiritual gifts. Um, and I, I realized last week we talked about divisions in the church. I want to talk to you kind of about a sensitive, sensitive topic, and I, I'm not trying to offend anyone. I'm not going to. I hope I'm not offending anyone. But it's something that in my life I realize has caused so much division within the church. And not only our church, but today we're going to be reading from 1 Corinthians again. And Paul's talking about how the same thing created divisions in the churches that he was ministering to. 
So if you would open up your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to be starting from verse 1. But really what Paul is addressing today, what I want to be talking about today, is how spiritual gifts, in whatever manifestation they come in, whatever type they come in, they are meant for the good of the body. They are meant for the good of the church. But many times they can be misused. And when they're misused, it causes a lot of problems, a lot of issues. But what we have to understand is because the God we serve is the one giving the gifts, that he's also the one that can remedy this. He can solve it. He can bring about more unity, even despite these divisions. Again, this is really where I, 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 I haven't had a chance to really sit down with a lot of you and talk about your context of, of what spiritual giftings you've witnessed in your life. But again, I've kind of seen it all. I, I've seen even those, those pastors come into church and, and they're the guest speakers and they're the ones that they're able to point out specific sins in your life and, and tell you, you need, a, you need to deal with this. You need to make sure you're doing this. I, I've had people come and pray over me and they had words of prophecy over me and, and tell me like what God is going to do in my life. And again, this isn't to say that it doesn't exist. I, I, I Personally, I believe that there are times where these men of God were able to, to pray over me, and what they prayed was absolutely right. It was, it was exactly the word I needed from God. It was, it was pertinent. It was biting. It was to the core. Let me make it very clear. I believe God speaks to us here and now. I believe God is still able to do these miracles, to do these supernatural acts. But what I do also understand is that as human beings— we misuse the Word of God in many ways. We misuse what God has given to us as a gift, as something to encourage our faith, to encourage our body, and we twist and manipulate it for our own good. So before I continue, let's read what we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting from verse 1. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, and, and hold up right there, that word spiritual gifts actually in the Greek means spiritual ones. And so we don't know exactly what he's, he's meaning. The, the interpretation I like is gifts, but it does add this layer of a spiritual person. Um, so now concerning spiritual gifts or these spiritual people, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one is speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are a variety of gifts but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between Spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Okay, so we're going to tackle this as faithfully as we can. And the way that Paul begins this is by saying, all right, we're going to be talking about spiritual things. 
And we're going to be talking about spiritual people. We're going to talk about spiritual gifts. And the way that he begins this is by saying and reminding them of their past and how before they knew Jesus, they were interested in all of these, what he called, mute idols. That when they were pagans, instead of worshiping a living and active God, before they were worshiping mute idols. And they were probably doing these ceremonies, these celebrations, these, these feasts, these activities to experience a God that wasn't there. This is what they did when they were pagans. And I don't know if you know anything about pagans, but generally what I think when I think about pagans are a bunch of people who are, who are doing like a seance, who are doing like a ceremony to invoke the spirits, to invoke some kind of supernatural thing. And so Paul is reminding them that that's where they came from. And then he explains that don't worry. Hold on, don't worry. When it comes to these spiritual things, when it comes to these spiritual people, these, these, these things that happen, if it's from God, if it's the Spirit of God, they will be able to say, Jesus is Lord, and they won't be able to say Jesus is accursed, that Jesus is cursed. All right, so that's where we have to begin, those first three verses. And, and the funny thing I see about the way that this text is handled in the church, it's handled as if we have an expertise in it. And so what I've seen even in groups and, and churches when it comes to this passage is that people just begin to start sugarcoating everything that they do in the name of Christ. Today when I talk about spiritual gifts, I, I want us to first and foremost understand that even Paul looks at these spiritual gifts and doesn't want us to attribute some mystical or magical attribution to these gifts. He wants us to understand that because they're from the living and active God, these gifts are now a part of our reality. The reason why he begins to talk about these pagan rituals is that the pagan rituals are all about trying to make you feel something that really isn't there. These pagan rituals are all about you getting you to experience something, to, to see something that isn't there. Even today, uh, what I see, and maybe it's not pagan necessarily in, in the, word, the way that word is used, but I see this with people who, who use drugs. They use psychedelics is that they want to have a religious experience, a, a spiritual experience to something that isn't there. And so in order to invoke that, they take drugs, they take LSD, they, they take mushrooms, they do something in order to experience something because we desire to experience the spiritual. What Paul is saying is that, yeah, I get you are doing that, I get you're doing these things, but that's in your old life, and you understand all of those things are mute. Now we're serving a God who's living and active. These gifts are a part of your reality. They're not fake. These are from God. These are from, these are from the Holy Spirit. And so the way, the first way you're going to interpret it, you're going to understand that it's genuine, that it's real, is that the person and the gift is going to be proclaiming that Jesus is Lord and that Jesus is not a curse. That it's not going to curse Jesus. It's not going to tear down his name. It's going to lift him up. It's going to put him in the position that he is worthy of. And it's funny. The way I see this being used in the church is almost the exact opposite. I see people, and I, last week we talked about gossip a little bit. But I see people, um, 
who, who, take, who take this gift, the gift that God has given them, and I'll explain what that gift is. And they take it, and they begin to go to everyone, and they begin to whisper, and they begin to say, hey, did you hear? Sally got a, got a face job. Like, she got a nose job. We need to pray for her in Jesus' name. You know, like, because we love her and we care about her. Hey, do you hear? Do you hear Kim? She has marriage problems. We really need to pray for her. Don't tell anyone, but we need to pray for her. Do you hear about that guy, Jim? He's not doing so hot in his job anymore, is he? Yeah, I, I overheard some of his coworkers say that he may get fired. We need to pray for him. And we see this time and time again with gossip, is that we know it's gossip, we know it's sin, we know it's bad, but what we do is we say, oh, no, 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 no. But as long as I'm doing it in Jesus' name, as long as I say I love Jesus, it's for him, it's okay, right? It becomes a spiritual gift. Let me explain to you. If you are prone to gossip, if you are the one that, you, that when I'm saying this, it's kind of making you uncomfortable. You're like, oh, that's so me. That's so me. That's so me. I'm the one who does that. You know what your gift is? The gift that God has given you? It's the gift of intercessory prayer. Now the, the gift that God has given you that you need to begin to practice and develop is a, is a gift that you are concerned with the plight of others. You are concerned that they aren't doing well. And instead of spreading gossip, the goal that I would have for you is to start a, bio, uh, start a prayer meeting. And, and it really doesn't become a place where gossip even can exist because what you're doing in that scenario is that you really are proclaiming Jesus is Lord. Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is able to act and operate in this reality that we live in. And what I end up seeing is, I know it gets attributed a lot to women, but again, gossip happens even amongst men. What I see is that God has given us gifts, and what we do instead of actually using them as spiritual gifts, we take the gifts and these desires that God has placed on our hearts, and we create them into mute idols. We make them into something that they're not supposed to be. See, these spiritual gifts many times aren't that spiritual. I think there are a lot of gifts that a lot of people have and that we don't fully understand. I, th I see one as the gift of generosity. I think generosity definitely is a spiritual gift. One given from God. An ability for someone to give an above and beyond measure because it's a supernatural thing. It's something that, it's not because it makes logical sense. It's because their, their heart is being moved to give. But what I've seen many times is that, that the gift of generosity isn't pointed to give God the glory, but sometimes it's pointed backwards and said it's about me. If you leave today without understanding one thing about what I'm talking about, because spiritual gifts is, is not in your realm of understanding or it's something that you've never heard about, that's fine. But what I want to explain to you today is when it comes to the gifts that God has given us, the talents, the attributes, the abilities that God has given us, there's two ways in which we can use it. The first way is unto the glory of God, proclaiming that Christ is Lord, and that's why we're doing what we're doing. And the second way is saying, I am Lord. I am the one that needs all glory. I'm the one that wants to get all the attention. I'm the one who wants all the credit. And once we understand that that is the, the, the two distinctions of how these spiritual giftings are wor uh, work, what we see is this. 
when a spiritual gift is being used to give glory to Christ, to give glory to God, not for myself, but for him, not for my glory, but for his glory, not for my worship, but for his worship, what we begin to see in the church is unity, it's healing, it's miracles, it's power, it's growth. What you see is health just being infused with the body because these gifts are being used unto God as they are intended. But if we begin to use these gifts and we do it for ourselves and we say it's for me, it's because I want to feel good, it's because I want to do well, it's because I want to be noticed, it's because I need power, I need authority, I want, I want to be able to do all these amazing things, the church begins to decay, it begins to break, it begins to divide. There, be, there, there, there grows out of it a virus, a disease that spreads. Going back to that, that group uh, in Mexico that, that, that I was worshiping with, that I was doing missions with, not without, without putting an indictment on them, just I want to explain to you how I felt on that trip. On that trip, I felt so alone because I didn't have any of the gifts that they had. I didn't have any of the abilities or talents. I wasn't in their groups. And so I was so ostracized from the main group that I, I, I just felt like a fish out of water. But more than a fish out of water, I felt like a loner. I felt so alone. Because all these people, they were doing all these cool things. They were doing all these amazing spiritual things. They were being such a spiritual group. And they all... Ah, see, this is the thing. This is the hard, hard thing about this. They all were doing it in the name of God. They were all doing it for Jesus. They were singing songs. They were jumping up and down, singing songs unto Jesus. They were so on fire. They were talking about just what they were going to do for the Lord and all these things. But you know what they did? And, and it wasn't just me that felt a little ostracized. There were other people that weren't as, as spiritual, I guess. That we all, we all felt like we weren't included in the body. There even came a point where I, I really wanted them to pray for me. I wanted, I wanted this prayer, and so I, I, I kind of was just waiting there. And, and I realized the pastor, he was just praying for the people that he wanted to pray for. And like when, it, like when he was almost going down a line, and when it came to me, he passed over me. And I was like, wait what does this mean? Like, does God hate me? Like, like why, why would you pass over me? You're praying for all, like, what, what did I do wrong? Like, okay, next time I need to sing louder or, or, or pray harder. Then, then God will then begin to speak to me. Then God will call me. Many times when we're not using our spiritual gifts properly, what ends up happening is our church will naturally be amputated. It's like choosing to cut off a part of your body. What Paul begins to say in the next section, from verse 4 to 11, he begins verse 4 by saying, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. Now I want to I hold on to that. It says, And the, there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are a variety of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. What, what Paul's message actually isn't to point out specific giftings among people. What he's really saying in this is that God gives so many different types of gifts. He gives them in all shapes, in all sizes, in all amounts. He gives all of them, but they all come from the same God. 
And so it's really, it's really him who we're gi- who, who's giving it. It's really him who's giving it unto you because he loves you. He cares about you. The issue I see in the church is that even though it's a gift, what we do is we compare and contrast with one another. We look at someone and we're like, man, he's so gifted. We look at another person, wow, she's so blessed. We look at another person and we're like, man, his life is so much better than mine. And then what we're so prone to do is instead of understanding that, no, God is the one in charge of of giving out these various blessings, of giving out these various talents, these gifts, these attributes, these abilities, because we're so prone to compare with one another, to look at each other people and say, "He, he is better than I am. Church, we're, we're gathered here today because we believe that Jesus died for us. We believe that God loves us and cares about us. And I don't, I don't know how long it's been since you really have, have thought about why you believe in Christ, how you've thought about God. But, you know, I've done some thinking and really about my faith. And I, I realized something. When I get down to, like, why I'm a Christian, it's because when I, when I really think about it, I'm like, before I didn't have a dad and now I have one. It's like before, before I was lost and an orphan and broken, dirty, cold, hungry. And now it's like I have God who's by my side at all times. He's with me. And so there's a joy that comes out of that. There's a peace that comes out of that. It's like God loves me so much, he sent Jesus to die for me. And because Jesus died for me, I'm clean now. I'm, I'm sin-free. All my debt has been paid. It's as if I owed all this money and God wrote a check and he, and he gave all this money so that I could be debt-free. My life is now, is now free. See, this is what the Corinthian church was experienced, was this joy that God loves me so much that he sent Jesus to die for me. But there's a second stage to this. See, if you're an orphan, imagine going into a store, like a grocery store. You go into a grocery store, you're an orphan, and so you don't have any money, you don't have any ability to buy things, and so you have to learn how to just take and and just run out. Now we're adopted. Now we're in God's family, and so God is the one who's like, here's my credit card. Here's some cash. Go inside and go buy what you need. And we look at that gift, and we're like, "You're, you're giving me you're giving me an ability to, to buy food? And God's like, yes, you're my son. You're my daughter. Of course, I love you. I care about you. Here, go, get something to eat. I love you. What we do as believers is we get that and we're like, oh, this is amazing. This is wonderful. I, I have money now. I have a talent. I have a gift. I'm blessed now. And we begin to hoard it. We begin to do what children many times do. It's like, uh, Dad, you gave me a $100 bill. I just want a candy bar. Like, wh- why, why, why did you give me so much money? Like, wh- this, is, this is too much. And what we do is we begin to take that and we pocket it. And we're just like, oh, I, I, won't, tell, I won't tell my parents that I didn't spend all of it. And I, I know I'm losing some of you, but let me, let me really get down to this. When it comes to being a child, many times we see our faith as individuals. We, we, see, we talk about our faith in individual terms. God loves me so much. He saved me from sin. He cleansed me. My life is now 
mind. Many times what we forget, especially when it comes to spiritual gifts, is that we have lots of brothers and sisters. We have lots and lots of siblings. See, I know we were orphaned. I know before you came to know Christ, your life was a mess. And now that you're with Christ, you want to straighten things out. And I know you want to talk in terms of individual and you want to say, it's about me and God. It's about me and God, making sure that I follow God and I know that he loves me. I get that that's how we like to talk. Makes us feel good. But something we need to come to the realization of is that we are part of a body. We have lots of brothers and sisters. And God is giving you a gift for your benefit. He's giving you abilities. He's giving you these miraculous things that you just can't explain how it's happened. That's, that's the nature of the supernatural. You can't explain it. But it's meant to bless the body. It's meant to give glory to Christ. So going back to that illustration of the orphan, getting a $100 bill to get a candy bar from the store. See, I think many times God, the way he teaches, isn't just by strict rules and regulations maybe contrary to what you think about how God talks, I think God teaches through, through practical lessons. I think in that story, if you're that kid that gets the $100, $100 bill, and if you're an only child, then you're just like, wow, this is way too much money. This is crazy. But imagine if you had 10 brothers and sisters. Imagine if, if, if your father gave you that money, not just for yourself, and he said it's a gift, it's for you, but you had these siblings, the heart of the Father, the heart of God, is not just that you would use that money just for yourself so that you would feel good, but that you would use that money to build the relationships with your siblings. And I don't know if you've ever gotten a gift from your sibling, but I know when I get a gift from my sibling, there's like a deep part of my heart that's like dark and broken that kind of comes alive like, oh, wow, you, you, you love me. Like, that's, that's amazing. That's wonderful. Like, I didn't even think you, you remembered me. Like, we're all adults. Like, why would you give me a gift? Like, my, again, I, I use my little sister a lot, but my little sister, um, we, we, for our family, did, um, like, a Secret Santa. So we were only allowed to give one person a gift, um, like, out of our family, just to kind of cut down on all the craziness of Christmas. But my little sister, of course, breaking all the rules, buys everyone a gift. And, and she gives everyone a gift, and, and it, they're really nice gifts. And it's just like, oh, like, it's so sweet. It's so wonderful. When it comes to our spiritual gifts, you're more than welcome to use it just for yourself. I can't stop you. I won't stop you. Because I know God loves you and he wants you to experience life to the fullest. And so you know what? If God has blessed you with amazing talents, amazing gifts, amazing abilities, that's great. Wonderful. But if you begin to use those gifts to bless the body, you're going to experience so much more joy than you've ever imagined. And here's the final truth I want you to leave you with. Is that like a good parent, when God sees us hoarding all of our gifts to ourselves and saying, oh, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine, God says, okay, well, I can't give you any more because your hands are full. You're too preoccupied with what's yours. But there's the kid that gives away all his stuff. There's the kid that shares with his siblings. That's the kid the parents wants to give even more to. And again, this isn't to, to get you greedy as a person and say, okay, the way we get more is to give. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to get you to understand God's perspective on these spiritual gifts. 
Whatever your definition of these spiritual gifts are, if you're going to be using it for the edification of the body, for the building up of the body, of course God is going to give you more. Of course God is going to bless you more. And again, this isn't a way for you to plan for retirement. This isn't a way for you to get a promotion in your job. I'm trying to explain to you the way in which we garner joy in our lives. Is understanding that everything that we have is from God and that we have lots of brothers and sisters around us that we want to give it to. Church, I am here for you. And more than a pastor, and, I, and you know what? I, I'm getting frustrated with the title of pastor. Like, not, not that I'm going to quit or whatever. That's not, that's not it. I'm getting frustrated with the title of pastor. I don't want to be your pastor. I want to be your brother. I want to be your family. I, 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 I want it to be a point where if God gives me a gift, if God gives me a word to tell you on a Sunday, that I'm not saying, okay, it's my job to tell you. No, I want to say, I'm your brother. This is what God has given me. This is what, what we need to do. This is, this is what needs to happen. And I think as we have that familial relationship, as we look at these spiritual gifts, truly, once we start using them in love, for one another. And that's, let me just tell you, that's how this all ends. The way that Paul wraps up Corinthians is by explaining that love is the most important thing. We, we've heard it time and time again when it comes to weddings. You know, love is patient, love is kind. I, I can't wait to get to that part with you. But when it comes to even spiritual gifts and the way we use them in church, you have a choice. Either use it for God or use it for yourself. Let's pray.